Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about uh, raising up our youth in the 21st century, uh, raising up our youth in the 21st century. And parents today uh, have a unique challenge, unlike any time in history, uh, modern day history that we know of. Uh, apostasy and heresy and all type of ungodliness has been going on since the fall. And in our culture, uh, it's definitely apparent that uh, Satan himself has been successful in distracting Christian parents from their duties and uh, in inducing our youth to live a life that's different than Uh, the standard that God has for them. It reminds me of Proverbs 22 and 6, which says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the original Hebrew actually reads like this, uh, train up a child in the way of their mouth, so when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22 and 6. And essentially what that passage uh, means is... The mouth, right? The mouth is where uh, the communication comes from. But before the communication come out the mouth, there, there are things going on on the inside. What's inside of you would eventually come out of you. And the reality is all of us have the natural man in, inside of us, whether that child is a Christian or not. We still have the old nature, And that human nature uh, can cause us to do things and to say things that we shouldn't. And so if the parent does not chastise that child um, in a loving manner, if that parent uh, does not instruct that child in a loving manner, if that parent uh, does not educate that child uh, based on love and wisdom, then when that child gets older, he or she will continue to engage in missteps or transgressions or, can I say, sin. Uh, Many people don't like to use that word anymore in the church, but the Bible still calls it sin. Uh, Those acts that causes us to fall short of the standards of God, that's sin. Uh, Transgressions are still things that uh, we are involved in doesn't matter how we try to politicalize it or make it politically correct. A sin is a sin. That's how God sees it. And so when we can agree with God that what we've done is wrong, then it sets us, it it put us in a place where God can forgive us. And so uh, we want to talk about uh, the rearing of our youth in the 21st century. A few years ago, uh, before we started our, our ministry, Um, I used to receive numerous communications from parents 
And the constant theme would be, uh, I've sent my children to an institution, to a school, elementary school, middle school, high school, or college. And my child is coming back telling me, uh, and if they are especially in elementary school, that the teacher is basically trying to impress upon them uh, that believing in God is folly, that God does not exist, uh, that uh, we, uh, the, the, the child is engaged in illusory, you know, uh, something that's mythological, that our God does not exist. And so many of these parents uh, felt ill-prepared to handle the situation or to give a reasonable response to the teacher in terms of what they were sharing with these kids. And what, what was happening is uh, because uh, these Christian youth were not discipled in the area of Christian apologetics, these students felt ill-prepared. Um, and as they sat in the classroom and, and uh, looked at the teacher that they respected and uh, the teacher who seems to have uh, knowledge, they felt intimidated. And as a result, uh, they started to believe some of the rhetoric that the teacher was imparting upon, upon them about why uh, God does not exist and Jesus um, is not who we say he is. And in some cases, uh, they even uh, taught that Jesus never existed. So as a parent, what are we to do? Uh, when we look all around us, uh, laws are being changed that blatantly contradicts the teachings of the scripture. And so how do we engage our children to live for God when it seems like uh, the laws are even shifting uh, against God's commandments and against God's, uh, God's principles? So we continue to receive uh, these type of testimonials, uh, even on a college level, where professors were going out of their way once they found out a, a student was a Christian to uh, intimidate them or to bully them into uh, their way of thinking, uh, to become humanists, to become atheists, to become skeptics. Um, and our students have to suffer through these type of environments. So what can we do? And there's a lot that we can do. Even if you personally are not able to uh, inoculate your child, uh, you should be able to um, put them or connect them to information that's going to help them uh, to endure their season at whatever school or institution they may attend. Uh, one of uh, a colleague of mine, uh, David Wheaton, uh, he wrote a book, The Dest uh, Destruction, uh, or, or The Destruction of, of, of College Life, or The Destruction of uh, the Mindset of College Institution. Uh, University of Destruction is the title of the book, University of Destruction. And in this book, he argues that our, uh, there are two classes of Christian students uh, who pursue their academic goals and uh, acad academic aspirations. And the first group he called the overcomers. 
And you as a parent, you as a guardian, you as an uncle uh, or aunt, uh, we have youth in, in our families. We have youth in our lives. And it's up to us, uh, especially if they are Christians, to make sure that they're prepared. And hopefully, your youth is an overcomer. And he defined the overcomer as the Christian youth who's able to go to school, whether it's on the elementary level all the way up to college, and overcome the negative rhetoric about Christianity that they endure, that they hear. And they are able to uh, put the skepticism in its place and it doesn't affect their faith. These are overcoming students. But then the second class are the ones that we ought to be concerned about. And we have to be honest with ourselves. Each child is different. But we have to make sure that we prepare our students for life outside of our homes. So if they're going to elementary school, middle school, high school, college, uh, wherever they may go, or even at work, we need to make sure that they're inoculated and prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within them. And the second group uh, he called the compromisers. So the compromisers are those who go into these secular institutions. We've raised them up in church. Uh, we've, uh, we've raised them up to fear God. We've raised them up to follow the tenets of the scriptures. But when, once they get to college life, uh, they feel as though they've discovered a better alternative to their lives. And as a result, uh, out of respect, they won't uh, tell us that they're thinking a certain type of way. Uh, they'll continue when they come back home to even go to church with us. But on the other side, they are allowing themselves to believe uh, in things such as evolution. They are allowing themselves uh, to believe in literary uh, criticism of the scriptures uh, from a negative perspective. Uh, they start to adopt views that are consistent with humanism uh, and self-determination and uh, God is, is no longer in the picture. They start to adopt views such as deism uh, and, and, and things of that nature. So the overcomers are littered uh, throughout the annals of history in terms of people that grew up in the church, but for whatever reason, uh, they started to believe in something else and eventually leaving uh, the, the scriptures altogether, leaving some left of faith, but others uh, just became skeptics. Others became agnostic and, and no longer believed what they learned in Sunday school. Um, but this is not abnormal, unfortunately. I wish I could say uh, that this was just an isolated case, but it's not. And we as parents, uh, we must do all that we can to make sure that we have um, trained and probably uh, discipled our youth to answer the tough questions of life and prepare them uh, for those classrooms that's filled with bitter teachers and bitter professors who have uh, an agenda against the church, 
uh, they have an axe to grind against Christianity. And if we don't prepare our youth for these type of environments, then we're doing them a disservice. A few months ago, I had a parent contact me, and um, she grew up in the church, and now she has uh, a child, and and the child was questioning her faith. So she asked us, uh, what can she say to that child to make sure uh, or to assess where they are in terms of their relationship with God? So we created uh, this handout on uh, the topic, how do we know God is real? And that's what the child was struggling with. How, how, how do we know that God is actually real? Uh, I know that we uh, engage in Christmas plays and Easter plays and uh, plays on special holidays. I, I know that we go to Sunday school and we, and we uh, look at the Bible. How do we know the Bible is real? Uh, and how do we know that what's in the Bible is accurate? Uh, so these are the type of questions that many children struggle with. Um, how do we know God is real? We can't see him. We can't touch him. So they say, so how do we know God is real? And these are questions uh, based on uh, inquiries that all of us have in life. All of us have certain questions. And these children, uh, especially today, our children are exposed to so much, and they have a lot of questions. So we must be ready to take time out to help them to better understand the Scriptures. And then we must be able to, uh, un- uh, to respond to them from an apologetic perspective. Um, to tell the child, just have faith. Yes, that's true. But there's more that we can share with them than just have faith or don't question God. It's not that they're questioning God. It's that God created them with an ability to inquire. So if they have a question, all of us uh, were created uh, with the ability to ask why. And it's not necessarily that they're trying to doubt God, but they have questions. And some of those questions can be answered. And we must make sure that we answer those questions or they're going to look for answers somewhere else. And that somewhere else uh, may not be the right answers. So we must know how to respond to the question. How do we know that God is real, especially when a youth or a child is asking those questions? Number one, um, I would argue that we learn from our five senses. Uh, a person can learn, right, by seeing by smelling, by touching, and by tasting, right? We, we, we can learn uh, by seeing, smelling, um, even through touch, through, through tasting. And our five senses allow us to learn about the world around us. It gives us confidence that things are real. And in, in, in history, uh, that was one of the arguments that many philosophers made, that we know something exists through our five senses. But the problem is um, our five senses alone cannot tell us everything about life. So as humans, we like things that can be trusted, and, and we, we test it out through these senses that God has given us. Uh, many scientists, people who study the laws of science, often tell us that only our senses— Again, 
are to be used if we want to know that something exists or something is true. Trusting our senses is helpful, but our five senses do not explain everything in this world, as I said before. Uh, have, you were, have you all heard of the word anomaly? Anomaly. A-N-O-M-E-L-Y. I even saw it uh, on an episode of Star Trek. Scientists use this word to describe things that happen around, around us which cannot be explained through our five senses. So they use the word anomaly to capture that event that can't be explained through their five senses. They use their five senses to learn about the world around us, like I said before. The truth is, science alone cannot tell you everything about life. Things such as God, science alone cannot tell you about God. Science alone cannot tell you about prayer. These are metaphysical things. Science alone cannot tell you about the soul or the spirit. Science by itself cannot tell you about angels. Science alone cannot tell you about miracles. These things do exist, but science alone cannot talk about these realities. Maybe you said to yourself, how do I know if God is real? You've said within yourself, how can I trust God when I can't see nor touch him? You're not the only person to ask these questions. That's what I would share with the child or youth. Think about this fact using uh, one of our five senses. We learn and believe through sight. We often believe things because we can see it. The question is, how do we apply or how does that apply to God since we cannot see him with our eyes? For God is a spirit. And it says that we, we that believe in him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So since we can't see God, how can we know that he exists? Well, the response is the Bible tells us God is a spirit, so we can't see him with our eyes. Read John 4.24 as an example. Since we cannot see God with our eyes, how can we know he is real? We know God is real by looking at what he has done. If we consider what's in nature, if a strong wind blows down a tree, you may not see the wind and you won't see the wind. Just as Jesus says, when the wind blows, you don't see it, but you feel the effects. The tree was blown down. In the same way, we may not be able to see God with our eyes because he's a spirit, but we see his effect. When a person becomes a Christian, you immediately see the effect of God. People who used to lie are no longer habitual liars. Other people who used to steal no longer steal. It is through God's power that we're able to see the effect or the change. So even though we cannot see God with our naked eyes, we see his effects. This is called the effect of God. We cannot see him with our eyes, but we can experience his presence through what has been done or through the effects. And this is one argument for God. Then the second argument is, let's look at the solar system, the cosmos. 
Another way for us to know God exists is to look at nature. God created the whole universe. How do we know this is true? Astrologers who study the solar system have discovered that our earth is placed in the most perfect position. It's not by accident. God placed earth in the perfect solar position for us to survive. If we were too far away from the sun, all of us would freeze. If we were too close to the sun, all of us would burn up. So God, again, placed us in the perfect position for us to survive, for us to thrive. Again, this is not by accident. God intended for it to be this way so humans could survive. Then let's take a look at DNA. And DNA uh, are codes within our bodies. Every human being has about 6 billion DNAs in their body. And these codes tell your, tells your body what to do. For example, DNA carries the information that tells your body what color your eyes will be and how the organs in your body ought to work. It is almost like a computer program that tells your body what to do. The person who placed that genetic code in, that DNA in your body, is God. Again, we cannot see God with our naked eyes as a person, as we see a person, but we can see his effects. God is the one that put the programming in our body. We wouldn't dare say when we go to a computer that the computer created itself, uh, that the, the coding in the computer just uh, evolved and, and uh, went from, com, uh, from chaos to complexity. We would never say that, but it's so interesting when it comes to reality, when it comes to human beings, uh, many of us, we see the fine-tuning of nature, but yet we reject that God made it. We come up with these fairy tales uh, that uh, human beings evolved, and we went from a, a complex nature uh, 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 to—we went from chaos uh, uh, to, to organization, and nothing works that way. Nothing goes from chaos to organization. Uh, God put the coding in us. Uh, and, and it's fine-tuned, it's specific. This DNA is genetic coding. And someone put the genetic code in there to make our body work the, the, uh, the way that it needs to work. And that is God. So we can still talk to our youth on that level, on that scientific level. You don't have to be a scientist, but just the things I've said so far, it's enough to impart to the youth. Um, we're going to uh, just con- finish our lesson on the next episode. But before we run out of time, I wanted to invite all of you listeners. If you have a child or a youth, uh, sixth grade to college, we strongly encourage you to go to our website, uh, abcsac.org, www.abcsac.org, and sign up your 6th grade, 7th graders, 8th graders, ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, seniors and college students or young adults to attend the 2021 Apologetics Boot Camp. This year, uh, the date is May 8th from 9 to 11 a.m. And this is a, a workshop for Christian students where we impart to them tools that they can use to stand boldly for Christ while they are at school. Never take for granted that what they're learning in school is, um, is enhancing or, or, or uh, complementing what you're teaching them at home. So hopefully uh, you sign up. 
abcsac.org. We thank you for your prayers. Please continue to give. And remember to do for the truth what others do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.